very good morning to <clears throat> every one of you. God is good. And he's good this morning. And he's here to bless each and every one of us this morning in a wonderful way. So today we want to uh, do a study, uh, a study that we find in the Old Testament and we will bring it uh, into something that we find in the New Testament uh, in order to understand the deeper, the deeper meaning of that word. I want to uh, uh, begin reading from a scripture in the book of Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. In verse 22, the Bible reads, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Okay, let me read this again. There he made a statue and could, an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. And he said, if you diligently heed your voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of, these, of the diseases on you which I've brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And verse 27 and they came to Elim, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for this word that you have given to us. It may have happened a long time ago. And yet, Lord, it is so real even today. And I pray, Lord that you make this word current to each and every one of us, that you may speak to, through this word into our lives, and that you help us, Lord, to be able to see your mighty hand of deliverance in our lives. Lord, help us to trust you, to believe in you, and to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, this word I've just been reading is a very interesting uh, episode in the life of the people of uh, Israel. And what we must just understand is that uh, this uh, particular situation that we have been reading about just happened after the people of Israel came out of Egypt. It's important for us to understand that because, you know, they had actually just seen a mighty victory in their lives. And uh, they should have been able to give God the praise and the honor. You know, in chapter 14 of Exodus, uh, the Bible reports how they were leaving Israel and crossing the Red Sea. And how they were rejoicing in God because they saw a mighty salvation uh, at that particular time. You know, the Egyptians that were frightening them so much in the past, uh, you know, God said to them, the Egyptians that you see today, you will see no more. And that exactly became reality in their lives. But then they started off their journey because after all, they didn't just come to go through the Red Sea and come there and stay there. But they came out of the slavery and bondage in order to go to the promised land, the land that God has promised to them in which would flow milk and honey. But then, you know, this scripture tells us they were on their road for three days and they could not find any water. And when they found water, the water was bitter. You know, this is very strange. After a powerful victory, after a powerful uh, you know, demonstration of uh, the power and the, the hand of God in their lives, 
they are beginning to see something completely different. Okay, and, and very often, you know, we, we go through similar situations in our life. We have a victory. We have overcome in certain areas. We have seen God's hand in a mighty way. And then we run into some roadblocks. We run into some problems. The question is, how do we respond in a situation like that? You see, Israel had cried out to God when they were still in bondage and slavery. And God heard their prayer. God answered in fact, God did not answer <clears throat> at that particular time when they were crying. Actually, God had prepared the Savior 40 years ago, okay? Because God prepared uh, Moses to be the Redeemer. And that was 40 years earlier that God called him out of Egypt and prepared him to be the, the, the deliverer, prepared him to be the tool that God would use in order to bring the people of Israel out of, of bondage. So God hears our cry. He is not indifferent when we are going through hardships and difficulties. And we should, we should remember that. We should always remember that. Okay? He has actually prepared our, our solutions long before we even cried. The Bible tells us before we pray, he has already known what is in our heart and what we are going through. And that should make us really thankful. That should really make us uh, you know, uh, full of uh, adoration and, uh, and worship to the Lord because he's not somebody who misses out to see our need and, 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 and be there when we need him in our time of need. So God sent Moses to Pharaoh and he had a simple message from the Lord and the message was, let my people go so that they go and worship me, you know, wherever I take them. Okay, so the, the, the destiny for the people of Israel was not just coming out of slavery, but being dedicated to the Lord and actually begin a life of worship and praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. I think that was something that really went missing in the life of the Israelites uh, while they were in bondage. They merely just remembered there was a God who they could cry to, and that's what he did. And God came through for them. But God had a desire to have an intimate relationship with them, to bring them closer to his heart. And that's true for us today just as well. You know, God has a desire to bring us close to his heart. Okay, wherever you are, and sometimes, you know, God allows you to go through certain tough situations in your life in order to make you realize this is not the way I should walk in this world. This is not where I should waste my time with in this world. And you know, that's why we need to learn from the people of Israel who, who began to cry out to the Lord and God answered. God answered in a powerful way. So unfortunately, Pharaoh heard the message of Moses, that was not the message that Moses authored. It was the message that Moses was given by God. And he delivered that message to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, as we know, remained stubborn. He didn't want to listen. And of course, God, uh, you know, told him, if you don't listen, then this is, this is going to happen. And of course, there were these 10 plagues that happened. And eventually... You know, um, Pharaoh had no option but to just let the people go. He didn't let them go because he changed his mind. Actually, he didn't change his mind. And even when they finally had gone, he still pursued them again because he, he wanted to keep them in his bondage as much as possible. And that's true, you know, for, uh, for Satan as well. You know, Satan doesn't want to let any one of us go. And even when we go, he still tries to follow us behind. But you know, no one can stay in the ways of God. And Pharaoh had to find out that if you stand in the way of God, eventually you will be rolled over. Eventually you will be swallowed by the, by the very salvation that has you know, helped the people of Israel escape. The same, the same road will become your grave. Because that's where all the 
the soldiers of Egypt who were pursuing the Egyptians, including Pharaoh himself, were buried when the people of Israel were going <clears throat> to their freedom on dry ground. So that was a mighty victory, a powerful demonstration of God's mighty power and hand in the lives of his people. That's when they were celebrating. You know, the Bible tells us they were singing the song of Moses. It must have been a good time. Can you imagine seeing all these mighty deliverance? Seeing that the threat that was hanging over their heads for years and years and years was dealt with comprehensively in such a way that they would no longer have to fear the Egyptians. And that's exactly what God had told them. The Egyptians that you see today, you will see no more. So God is dealing with some of the problems that we are facing once and for all. Which does not mean that there will no more be no more problems. Okay? But certain things God is going to eradicate from our lives. And I want you to, to trust God for that. Okay, I want you to, to believe God that your future that you have been struggling with in the past will not be determining your future. Okay, but that you can be able to see the hand of God in, in your life. Now, coming out from the Red Sea on dry ground, I mean, that's a powerful testimony, isn't it? And if that cannot build your faith, the question is what can? Okay, and, and of course that's a problem. You know, very often we see God's mighty hand. You know, we sing that song, count your blessings, name them one by one, and do not forget what the Lord has done. Sometimes we forget, okay? Sometimes we forget very quickly. Sometimes we forget after three days, okay? Now imagine these people were brought through the Red Sea you know, and, 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 and a powerful, a powerful, mighty miracle happened that cannot, you know, make anybody believe that a human being could have done that. It needed God to do that. Okay? So they, they, they could really have said, praise the Lord. This has been good. This God who we cried uh, to when we were in Egypt has heard our prayer, and finally we have come through this Red Sea. We have left Egypt behind. We have left the bondage behind, and we are delivered by the mighty hand of the Lord. Very good, okay? But then from there, they did not come to the end of their journey. It was just the beginning, and this is what a lot of people miss out. You know, when we receive salvation, when we are born again, a lot of people think, <clears throat> that's it, you know, I'm now a child of God, and praise God you are. But then, don't forget, that this, this is not the end of the journey, but it's the beginning of the journey. And the beginning means there are a lot of other things going to follow behind. Okay, so, that's because they started their journey. And the Bible tells us here, they went into the wilderness because, of course, they came out of Egypt, you know, went through the Red Sea, and on the other side, there was wilderness. And God told them, I want you to come to the mountain and worship me there. So, yes, they had to cross the wilderness. And the wilderness in each and every one of our lives is real, okay? So there is a wilderness waiting for every one of us, okay? Even Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, okay? Because there was an exam waiting for him there, okay? And uh, an exam is not given to you so that you fail it, but that you prove that you have learned the lessons. Amen? Unfortunately, sometimes we miss that. We think the exam is something bad my lecturer has thought about, and you are trying to find your ways cheating around, you know? That's not how you are qualifying yourself. That's not how you are going to be excelling in life. No, you, you need to go through the exam and come out with flying colors on the other side. And of course, that's what often we don't understand. That's what the people of Israel missed. Jesus was led into the wilderness and he was there 40 days, 40 nights. And when 
That period came to an end in the wilderness. That's when Satan thought, this is an opportune time for me to strike. To strike. And that's what he did, you know. And he turned to Jesus and said, if you are truly, truly the son of God, that means, of course, he had a hunch. He knew that this should be the son of God. But he tried to, you know, take him out of his calling. If you're truly the son of God, then, you know, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus told him very clearly, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Okay, now I don't want to go to the other temptations. But that word alone, you know, this first temptation is very important. <clears throat> and this is what the people of Israel should have done. You know, when they came to uh, a situation of becoming thirsty and they didn't find water, not the first day, not the second day, not the third day, and then after the third day, they found water. Okay, water was there, but it was bitter. They couldn't drink it. It was impossible. And uh, at that particular moment, you know, they should have remembered that word. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. At that time, they could have called to the Lord and said, God, you have been such a deliverer for us. You have brought us through the Red Sea. You have left, uh, you know, uh, all the, the negative things for us to be in the past, you know, uh, Pharaoh is no more, the forces of Pharaoh are gone. We believe that you can help us out of this situation. That would have been faith, isn't it? But what did they do? They begin to complain, okay? They begin to murmur, they begin to uh, give opposition to, to Moses. And they are saying to to Moses, you know, the Bible that says, and the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Was it Moses who brought them with a mighty miracle through the Red Sea? Moses was just a tool in the hand of God. Amen? And they should not have complained against Moses because Moses was one of them. He was in the same boat. If they would not drink, he would also not drink. If the water was bitter for them, even for Moses was going to be bitter. But they complained against Moses. Very sad, isn't it? These things still happen even today. So eventually Moses was squeezed. And thank God Moses was doing the right thing. You know, he cried out to the Lord. Okay, he wanted to hear from God. All of the people should have learned that lesson, you know, and we should learn that lesson, that when we are going to be squeezed, when we are going to find no water or we find bitter water or whatever the thing may be that we are facing or what obstacles we are facing in our life, we should learn to turn to God, not complain. You know, we are easily, so easily falling back into the old habits of life and begin to complain. God, why? How could you not have saved me from this? Why do I have to go through this trouble in my life? Things like that. You know, we, we are all very good with that. Why me? Haven't you heard that from your own mouth? Well, you know, we are human. We are very human. And you know, we, 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 are, we are very good in complaints when it comes to that. Okay. But then, you know, when, when Moses cried out to the Lord... You know, at least the people could have come to Moses and said, Moses, can you please inquire from the Lord for us, you know, what we should do in this situation? Unfortunately, they didn't do that. Even for Moses, it would have been easier uh, to lead them. But they complained against Moses. They gave him pressure, okay? And, you know, pressure sometimes can make you mistakes in this world. But thank God, Moses did the right thing. So he cried out to the Lord, and thank God, when he cried out to the Lord, the Lord showed him a tree. Okay, some other translations say they showed him a piece of wood, but they showed him a tree. 
Very interesting. I want you to understand. You know, keep this in mind. The tree is very important. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. So he took that tree. Probably it was not a whole tree. Maybe it was a branch or whatever it was. But he cast that in, a, in the water. Okay. God showed him, take this. Put it in the water. And the water turned into sweet water. They could drink that water. They could enjoy that wonderful time once again, you know. And, and then God spoke to them, you know. Spoke to them in a powerful way. There he made a statue and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. So otherwise, what they were going through here was a test. It was an exam, isn't it? Unfortunately, they failed the exam. And yet, even so, they failed the exam. God still allowed them to pass. Now, that is a good thing, isn't it? You fail, but you pass. Okay, at least for this time, they were able to pass. But you know, there were, another exam came. And when you go through the, the wanderings of the Israelites through the, through the wilderness, you find out that when you don't pass, God will bring the test back again in a different form. Hoping that next time you have learned the lesson. Unfortunately, with the people of Israel, and with many of us, we seem not to learn. We're failing one exam, God lets us pass. We're failing the next exam, God lets us pass. We fail another exam, God lets us pass. But there comes a time when we fail that exam, I don't know how many times, that we will remain in the wilderness, no longer able to proceed. But at this time, they proceeded. So God made a statue, an ordinance for them, where he tested them in that particular place. And he told them, you know, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, okay, that's so important, not just complain, but listen first. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on which, which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who healeth thee. Praise the Lord. Even so, they had failed the exam. God gives them a powerful promise. God lets them pass and adds even more promises on their lives. Okay? Now, of course, before they left Egypt, they saw so many plagues in Egypt, and there were so many diseases that were manifesting in Egypt. And God says, I'm not going to put any of these diseases upon you. If only you can listen. If only you can learn to have faith in me. Isn't that powerful? You are failing your, your exam, you get a reward. Okay, and the reward is, you know, this is my covenant with you. I'm going to make sure that none of these diseases that you know from Egypt will come upon you. Isn't that powerful? So, we better learn and uh, pass the exam next time when it comes back again. Now, interestingly, verse 27 of that uh, chapter tells us, the next verse is, and they, after they had left Mara, okay, their journey continued, they came to Elim. Okay, if you, are, if you have traveled around, there are a lot of churches who call themselves Elim. Okay, Elim was a place where there were 12 wells of water. Not one, but 12 wells of water. And 12 is always the number of completeness, of abundance. So in other words, God said, you know, if you are able to trust me, I'm going to give you abundance. Isn't that powerful? I'm going to make available water with no limitations. There were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. And they camped there by the waters. And of course, palm trees give shade. You know, they were in a desert and palm trees were able to give them good shade. So it was comfortable in a place like that. And that's where God wants to take us. Okay. That's the desire that God has for each and every one of us. We should not, you know, think that God has prepared a place of bitterness for us. Actually, 
He has prepared a place of abundance for us. But we need to learn the lessons that God is giving to us. Now, remember, they were on their way to worship and yet they complained, isn't it? God said, let my people go so that they come and worship me. Instead of worshiping God, they, they complained. Okay? We must avoid that kind of mistake. Okay? We are here to worship, not to complain. Sometimes we, we, we come together in fellowship, and of course fellowship is very important because it gives us the ability to be encouraged and to grow in the things of God. But we are not coming together in fellowship to complain or to stab each other in the back. Okay? We are coming together in fellowship to help one another, to build each other, to understand we are the family of God here to, to help each other go forward. So let's not fall back into the old system, into the ways of the world. You know, the world always complains. The world always sees, even in the best, uh, in the best uh, victory, they see something negative. We as the children of God, we should always see something positive, even in the, in the things that are not the way we want them to be. Amen? So the victory of salvation that God gave to the people of Israel was a powerful victory, you know, that they didn't get because they earned it, but because God had grace upon their lives. And that should not be forgotten even when we are going through hardships in our life. Even when all of a sudden we can't find the water, and water is life, as we know, okay? Water is grace. And God wants to give us the abundance of his life, the abundance of his grace. You know, from his grace, we have all received grace upon grace. You know, uh, when Jesus came, he came in the fullness of grace and truth. So he doesn't run out. And even if it doesn't flow at one time or the other into my life, we should never give up. We should never think God has forgotten us. Okay? But God is there. God is preparing a mighty victory for us. Even if today you are at the Mara, that is the bitter water, there is an alien waiting for you ahead. You know, with abundance. Abundance of life, abundance of grace, abundance of, of water, and wonderful shade, you know, taking care of all the, the, the stinging sun that otherwise would burn you. So God is a caretaker, a wonderful caretaker for each and every one of us. Now, this lesson is a very important lesson, the lesson of, uh, you know, how God turned the bitterness into life and into grace. And we should remember, you know, when, when God showed Moses a tree, we should remember that there was a tree that God showed Adam right at the beginning of his life, okay? God created Adam, and God showed, after, after God had created Adam, he showed him the tree of life. Now, there were many tree, trees in the uh, Garden of Eden, as the Bible tells us, and all of them were beautiful, all of them were good, all of them were, you know, maybe desirous to eat from, not just one tree or the other, but all of them. And so God said, there is a tree in the middle of the garden, and that was the tree of life. Of course, where there is the tree of life, there is also another tree because God gives us freedom. Okay? And that was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God says, from that tree, please do not eat because should you eat from that tree, it will bring death into your life. Okay? So God told his children, okay, his son Adam, he told him exactly what he should do and what he should not do. Like in a Responsible parent would. Okay? So let's remember there was a tree called the tree of life. And if you go fast forward, you find another tree at the end of scriptures. Okay? There's a tree of life in the beginning of the Bible. There's a tree of life at the end of the scriptures. Let me take you to the book of Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. 
the Bible tells us here. Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life. Praise the Lord. No more thirsty. No more hungry. Because the river of life is available for us. So he showed me the river of the water of life. As clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Bearing 12 crops of fruit. Yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. On their foreheads. Servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will, they, they, they will not need the, the, the light or the lamp of the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them the light. And they will reign forever and ever. Hey, this is a very powerful passage of scripture. But let me just uh, pick out one or two things that are important. You can take your time to meditate upon this scripture. It's a very powerful word, a very powerful revelation for our future. The Bible tells us, you know, there will be a time when there will be no more missing water, no more bitter water, when there will be the abundance of the water of life. That is the grace of God, isn't it? When we are living in the very presence of our God, you know, it will be a continuous flow from the throne of God, from the throne of Christ, the Lamb of God, you know, and uh, we will be able to be taken care of perfectly and 100% well. Okay? Down the middle of the street, you know, I mean, down uh, in the middle of this road, uh, the street of gold, the Bible tells us, that's where the river was flowing. Okay? Remember there was that argument some people had that there are, river, there are streets of gold in, in the heavenlies, but there is only one street, and of course, that street refers to Christ. Now, understand there are a lot of things here that, that we need to think about, okay? That seem to be contradictors, uh, contradictions to, to the way we think, you know? But then, this is a, re a revelation, it's a report of what is going to be happening in the, in the future. The Bible says that that river was flowing down in the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life. Okay, so, okay. Uh, that, how can it be standing on two sides? Okay. Uh, that's why, you know, sometimes the way we think is different than the way God thinks. Okay, because there's fullness in God. And so there is only one tree of life, just like there is only one street of gold, like there is only one river of life. And all this refers to Christ. Okay? All this refers to Christ. If Adam could have pursued the tree of life, he would never have died. What would life have been? I don't know. But he would never have died because death was a result of sin. The wages of, of, of sin is death. Isn't it? And God said, should you eat from the wrong tree that I have forbidden you, then you will surely die. So in other words, they would not have died. Okay? Very important. So there was a tree of life, and that tree was an invitation to man. Okay? Adam and Eve and everyone who followed them. Okay? Imagine we would, be, we would still be there. If Adam and Eve never sinned and all the generations after them would never have sinned, we would be together with all of them. Imagine. Enjoying the presence of God. You know, being in the, in the very uh, vicinity of life and grace and greatness of God. You know, sometimes we should, we should meditate upon such things. Okay, so Revelation tells us that these are the things that are going to come. These are the things that are going to happen. 
Okay, there is going to be fruits that is available. And it doesn't even tell us what the fruits are for. It only tells us what the leaves are for. Interesting, isn't it? So anything that has gone wrong, you know, in the nation's lives, you know, all the scars will be, will be removed from, from, the, from the, the leaves of the tree of life. I mean, this is something that re really, you know, if you think about it a lot, you'll have more and more questions about it. And praise God, it should be like that because, you know, God's world is far beyond our understanding, far beyond our comprehension. You can never say, okay, now, God, I got you. I understand you now. If you would understand God, that, that, that would mean that you are God. But we are merely children of God, and we are sons of God. And yes, we should come to the full stature of Christ, but we are never going to be the creator God. We are never going to be the savior who Christ is. But thank God, we are called into the family of God to be children of the Most High. So Moses trusted in what God told him. He said, you know, God said to him, look at that tree. Okay, what has a tree to do with bitter water? Can you tell me? You know, Moses could have argued and says, mm, God, the water is bitter. Didn't I tell you? We can't drink it. This is just a tree. We can't eat from the tree. But Moses had learned to trust God. Moses had seen the hand of God just like all the Israelites did. And when God showed him the tree and gave him an instruction to take that tree, that wood, and throw it into the water, he did it. Okay, and that's what God wants us to emulate. Okay, we need to, number one, listen. Okay, before you can listen, you first need to go to tell God your problem, you know. Uh, in, in the book of James, uh, the, the Bible tells us you don't have because you don't ask. Isn't it? Sometimes we don't have a solution because we are too much busy to complain. We are too much busy to compare notes with other people's complaints. But Moses asked. And when Moses asked, God gave him an answer. And of course, even in Moses' mind, the answer that God gave him was not necessarily making sense. Okay? He didn't say, oh, that's the solution. Of course, I should have known. No, that's a piece of supposed to be known as a solution. Okay? What, what difference does a piece of wood make in the, in, the, in, the, in the water that is bitter? Naturally, you can't explain that. Actually, I read some people's ideas uh, of, of, of what it could mean to throw some timber into, into bitter water. And somebody said maybe it was like a filter that filtered the bitterness out. Okay, you can't, you can't explain this in the natural. You understand? We are dealing with a supernatural God. We are dealing with a God who has all the answers. Not necessarily answers that make sense to our brain to the way we have learned things to be in this world. And of course, you know, the things that we have learned to be are not wrong necessarily. You know, some of them are, but, you know, some of the things are common sense. But, you know, it's like somebody says, sometimes common sense is not so common. Okay. So anyway, uh, throwing a piece of wood into the, into the bitter water was not common sense. This was just a test. God says, take this tree, throw it into the water, and you will see it will turn into sweet water, into water that is consumable. And he did it. So in other words, God tested Moses, and Moses believed. Moses had faith. Moses believed that it was going to work out, and it worked out. So this was not a natural thing. It was a supernatural thing. And you know, many times God will tell you to take a supernatural step. Something that doesn't make sense to you. It will actually go against the grain of your learning. The grain of the things that you have heard from grade one to, you know, wherever you are. And you say, this does not make sense. And, and of course, that's exactly what 
what God said it, so I will do it. Probably also thought it doesn't make sense. But whether it makes sense or not, God said it, so I will do it. He took the wood, the wood, threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. The solution was there. Not a man-made solution, but a God-made solution. And let me tell you, all of us, we need God's solution for our lives. There are many situations that we are getting into, you know, and you wonder, why am I, where am I, where, where, where I find myself now? Why? And sometimes you ask God, why? And God says, it's an exam. Okay, pass the test, listen to my voice, and do what I tell you, and it will work out. And of course, that sometimes is really troubling us. It's, it's, it's giving us headache. Because doing the things that God tells us sometimes are going against the grain of our learning. But then, thank God, Moses is doing that. I think Moses, of course, knew about the tree of life. Okay? In fact, as far as we know, it was Moses who wrote down the book of Genesis. Okay? God gave him revelation. God gave him prophetic insight of the things of the past. We think, usually we think that prophets are looking into the future. Actually, it doesn't mean that at all. Uh, a prophet is someone who can be able to see the secrets of God, whether past, present, or future. Okay? That's a true prophet. Not somebody who is just telling you stories and says, I'm the prophet of God. You know, I mean, there are many people who call themselves prophets, but Somebody who is a true prophet is somebody who is able to see or hear the true word of the Lord. And this is why Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Jesus was the greatest prophet who ever lived. Praise God. So, a wonderful lesson of how bitterness turned into life and grace is to listen to the word of God and proceed doing what God calls us to do, whether it makes sense or it doesn't make sense. And when Moses did that, it was not him who was benefiting from that sweet water, drinking that water, having their thirst being stilled, and giving them the ability to continue their journey. This is powerful. This is great. This is what God wants to do in your life and in my life. Now let me go to fast forward to another story. Today, as you know, is Palm Sunday. Okay, some of our friends are taking palm branches and they're walking through the street. Sometimes we've also done that. It doesn't mean it becomes Palm Sunday because we do that. It is Palm Sunday because of what happened. Okay? Let me just read that story for you quickly. First of all, let me read from the prophet Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. Okay, this was a prophecy that was given to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And the Bible reads here, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout! Daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteousness and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a cold, the fall of a donkey. Okay? That was prophesied by Zechariah hundreds of years before Jesus came. And then he came. And uh, Matthew chapter 1 verse 7 says, they brought the donkey and the cold laid their clothes on them and he set him and, and, this, and set him on them and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road and others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then multitudes who went before him, before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, from Nazareth of Galilee. Praise the Lord. Of course, remember, there was one man who says, 
Nazareth? What good can come out of Nazareth? Okay? The, the scribes, you know, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they said, the Bible doesn't say anything about the prophet coming from Nazareth. But these people, they knew him coming from Nazareth. But actually, he was from Bethlehem, the house of bread. And he was the bread of life. Okay, he, was, he has come to give us the fullness of water and of bread. Okay, and that's what we are still celebrating today when we are having our Holy Communion. We're celebrating the bread and the life, the water of life, the wine. Let me read it also from the book of John, chapter 12, verse 12. The same story, you know, uh, seen with different eyes. The Bible says here, the next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, fear not, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now, what has this story to do with the other story that we were just uh, reading? You know, the, the story about the bitterness of the water of, uh, of Mara. Actually, it's one and the same story, you know. Would you believe it? Okay, let me show you. In a mighty... The people of Israel came in a mighty victory out of the Red Sea. And they celebrated and they sang the song of Moses. They glorified God at that particular moment in time. And everything was beautiful and good. Okay. That's exactly what happened on that day in the life of Jesus. Okay, Jesus came to Jerusalem five days before Good Friday. Imagine, Good Friday was just around the corner. Now, nobody knew what was going to happen on Good Friday. But there was a mighty victory on that day. Okay? Everybody was shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He is the king of the of Israel. Praise God. He was riding gently into Jerusalem. Of course, he was not riding on horseback. He was riding on the fall of a donkey. That means the, the young one of a donkey, not even the donkey. Okay? But the people prepared for him. You know, they, they put clothes on the donkey, they put clothes on the road, they, they, they cut off the palm branches and other trees and put it on the road just as you would re receive a king. And truly he was the king. Prophecy was fulfilled on that day. But it took only a few more days. And that victory was forgotten. And the people who were shouting, Hallelujah, Hosanna to the king, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were standing, I don't know whether all of them, but at least some of them, because the Bible says they were multitudes. They were standing in front of Pilate and the high priests and the teachers of the law who had conspired, didn't have a problem with Jesus, who didn't see him guilty in any way. You know, very often it's like that. Sometimes, you know, the world does not see a problem with you, but you are sometimes your own brethren, false brethren, they accuse you. That's why you stay away from false brethren. Okay, sometimes, of course, you don't know that they are there. <laughs> okay, but then, you know, they were trying to, to get Jesus killed. And they were in a hurry because Sabbath was coming, and Sabbath, of course, everybody had to rest. So they wanted to make sure that Jesus was going, going to be crucified before Sabbath. That's why it is Friday, okay, Good Friday, because Sabbath is on Saturday. So they were very much in a hurry. They wanted to get the job done. 
And so eventually Pilate said, I can't find any fault in him. He even went to wash his hands and says, uh, I have nothing to do with this case. I'm washing my, my, my hands. I'm innocent of the blood of this man. But because you want him, make a choice. Okay? There was another guy who was in prison called Barabbas. And Barabbas was a, was a terrorist. Okay? He was a, a guy who had, you know, caused a lot of headache and heartache. And of course, uh, when Pilate did that, he never thought that people would choose Barabbas. Because it was, a, it was a problem. You know, he caused a lot of trouble in, in, in Israel before that. But the people who were trying to see Jesus killed went around and said, you know, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. And eventually when he was giving them that option, they, they, they cried out, give us Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. And then he said, but what should I do with this man, Jesus? And again they went around and they told the people, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Okay? And so the decision was taken that Jesus should be crucified. Only a few days after that powerful, wonderful entry into Jerusalem as the king of Israel. Now the king of Israel is taken to the mountain of Golgotha or Calvary as we know it. And even Pilate knew about this uh, fact that he was called the king of the Jews. And that's why he wrote on top of the cross, the king of the Jews. Okay? And the people didn't like that of the Jews. Just don't write like this. Just say he said he is the king of the Jews. Don't, don't write the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, what I've written, I've written. And for sure he is and he was the king of the Jews. Amen? Praise God. So from victory to come to the bitterness of the water of Mara is a short distance. Hello? So if you have a mighty victory, prepare yourself for Mara. Okay? Because it will come. And make sure that you're not going to be busy to complain, but that you learn to trust in God in that situation. And you know, Jesus went through that very same journey and when he was hanging there, or when he was beaten, he didn't, he didn't complain. He trusted God. The Bible says he committed his spirit into the hands of the Father. Okay, before he did that, he said one very important word. And he said, you know, why have you forsaken me? Okay? Many times we say this as well. God, why have you forsaken me? What we must understand, God has never forsaken you and me. Okay? Never has God turned his back on us. God, and the Bible says this very clearly, God has his eyes scanned the whole earth so that he can see those who are faithful to him so that he can really give them his very special blessings and grace. Why did Jesus say that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because this was the only time God was forsaking a human being. Okay? Not even Adam and Eve were forsaken by God. They sinned. But God came and visited them, spoke to them, gave them an opportunity to repent, which unfortunately didn't do. And, and yet God was giving them new clothes. Like I said earlier on, you know, the, 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 the people of Israel failed the test when they were at Marah because they complained. But God gave them, still gave them a pass. And they could move on to Elim where there was the abundance of water and the abundance of protection under the trees, the palm trees of, of, of that wonderful place. Okay, so now Jesus was in that situation. Lord, God, why did you do this to me? And he never raised his voice against God. God, why did you do this to me? Okay? In fact, he was praying, Father, forgive these people because they do not know what they are doing. In the middle of the worst 
situation of anyone, you know, anyone's life could ever imagine, you know, facing death. He was giving God glory and honor. And that's what we must learn. Okay? Now, for Jesus, it was much more consequential. It was death. For the people of Israel, they were able to get away with their lives and even get the blessings because, you know, there was an answer from God to Moses. Moses was standing as a mediator between them and God and he was able to give them the blessings and they were able to pass. But Jesus could not pass without laying down his life, without, you know, dying on that cross for us. So one would say there was a mighty victory when he entered into Jerusalem and the people were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Actually, that was not the victory. The victory came in the hour of darkness. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, having gone all the way, being obedient even to the Death at the cross. And as Jesus died, true victory came to our world. Because at that moment in time, God cut the curtain in the temple. That curtain which separated man from God because of sin. And God dealt with that sin. And he made a statement, you know, he made a statement in that cutting of the, of, of, the, of the curtain. The barrier is now removed. You have now free access to me, the living God. <coughs> That's when true victory happened. And you know, when you are going through the agony of, uh, of pressure, you know, having no water, Think, you know, when you think it doesn't work out, things don't work out for me. That's when God is about to give you a powerful victory. Remember, this is when you need to hear the voice of God. And this is when you need to respond to that voice and act accordingly, just like Moses did. Whether it makes sense or no sense, that's secondary. But you do what God told you to do. And you will be amazed to see how God will give you victory. So you can see the story of uh, Mara and the story of Jesus on the cross is, is one and the same story. Okay? This story repeats itself over and over again, even today in our own lives. So, you know, we may say the pinnacle of, ministry, of the ministry of Jesus was when he was riding into Jerusalem and people recognized him as the king of kings. That's not true. The pinnacle of the ministry of Jesus was on the cross when he laid down his life, when he was prepared to give himself as the sacrifice for our sin because he never sinned. Thank God he did that. He did not complain. And he commanded his, his spirit into the hands of the fathers and, and, and uh, of his father. And that's how he overcame the powers of darkness, the power of the world, the power of Satan. Amen. So let me say this clear, loud and clear, that the solution, the, the greatest victory is provided for us in our darkest hour. In the hour of our suffering, in the hour of our agony, you can see that in the life of Jesus. So when this test comes to you, remember that story. Remember Jesus. He did not fail that test. He kept his eyes upon the Father. The very personality of sin, because he took our sin upon himself. He still knew that God the Father would take care of him. So God is providing solutions for you even in your hour of darkness. My brother, my sister, don't forget that. God has removed the barrier that was there previously. Okay, maybe you tried many times to enter and you couldn't. 
But this time, when the victory comes, the barrier is no longer there, and you can enter. Okay? You can, can come into the very presence of God. You can have and see the victory that God has provided for you. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11 says, Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. Remember that. The righteous will live by faith. Not by fulfilling A and B and C and X, Y, Z, but by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law because no one can keep the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree okay cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree and Jesus was hung on a tree and you know that is the tree that God showed Moses this tree throw it in the water and it will bring you healing it will bring you water that you can drink it will make you you know be partakers of the grace of God He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Praise God. God has a wonderful journey for all of us. And even if at times it's a tough journey, God always has a solution prepared for us. Okay, there is always that tree, that tree that is symbolizing the nature of Christ. Okay, the tree of life that we can trust in and that is going to give us, who is going to give us victory. So let us trust our God. Let us have hope even in the darkest hour of our life because Elim is waiting for us, okay? A place of, of fullness, a place of protection that God has prepared for us. Even when today you are passing through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of weeping, you know, don't forget, victory is very close. You can trust him. He's not forgetting you. And let me tell you, since Jesus has overcome the power of darkness, the power of sin, and has broken the barrier of sin between us and God, you never need to think, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It happened only to Jesus, not to you, not to me. Praise God. You know why? Because Jesus loves us, dearly loves each and every one of the creatures that he has made in his own image. And that's why God... He's not slow in fulfilling his promises because he wants, where possible, that each one of us comes to follow him, comes to believe in him and walks with him. So now we have learned how a tree made bitter water sweet. What happened to Moses will still happen in your life, in my life, in our lives. When we trust him, that tree of life is still with us. Christ is the solution to all the needs, to all the darkness of this world. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful for the word of life, the word of grace that you give to us. Yes, Lord, we know so much bitterness in this world. We have seen, seen so much bondage, so much slavery. And most of us, if not all of us, we have experienced that in our own lives. But thank you, Lord, that this is not the end. You have heard our prayer and you still hear our prayer when we call to you. You give us salvation. You give us a solution even to the needs that we are not able to tackle on our own. So Lord Jesus, I pray that may we be able to learn that lesson today 
that we don't complain, but that we learn to trust you. We have heard the righteous live by faith. And Lord, help us to live by faith and not by sight. Lord, when you tell us the solution, let us not shake our heads and say, this is impossible. But let us learn to trust you. Like Moses did. And like Jesus did, even at that darkest hour of his life, when he died at that cross. He trusted you. And you moved on his behalf. And you gained victory over the powers of darkness and sin at that very moment in time. So Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have a way mapped out for every single one of us to see victory in our lives. To give us the ability to overcome. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have shown us how we can be able to trust you. Help us, Lord, not to complain, but rather to worship you. To give you a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Because, Lord, you have done so much for us. So that your hand is able to move on our behalf. And Lord Jesus, we are confident that we can pray this prayer because you have encouraged us to pray in this way. We walk in your footsteps. And thank you, Lord, that we are also attaining the same victory that you have attained through you. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, who has died for us. To you be the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.